0: I think it's very really significant, it's been sung this morning. I chose it when I was leading worship at Inverkeething uh, last Sunday morning. And then in the evening, uh, we were um, having a little outreach service in Armadale, which I'm still involved in, and um, a visitor um, from Kokodi came into the meeting and said, I've had this song on my heart all day. And it was an army of ordinary people. And then I come here, and we're singing it this morning. I think we should take note of this. And just as a matter of interest, you may not realize it, but it was written in Livingston. Ooh! Um, Dave Bilbrough was, um, and I know this from his brother-in-law, um, that he was in Livingston at the time when he got the inspiration for this song. I think it was back in 1981. So God's saying something sometimes, not just through the spoken word, but even through the songs that we sing. Okay, we're going to read from Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 6, a passage that almost all of you will be familiar with, but possibly one in which we don't so often read uh, in church. It's Jesus' teaching on prayer. Uh, We'll break in at verse 5. Matthew chapter 6. I didn't have a chance, so I forgot to ask what uh, translation of the Bible you most commonly use, but I'm reading from the NIV, so I trust that's acceptable to you. Okay, Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what he's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you shall pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Then the sting in the tail. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin, your Father will will not forgive your sins. Very solemn warning to all of us. i to be with you again, but uh, not under the circumstances where uh, one's covering, obviously, uh, people that are are ill. Um, It's been an interesting week. Uh, I did not get the email from Lindsay asking me if I was free until Wednesday night, and... um, I was actually rostered to preach in Leith, in Leith Madeira Street this morning, but I'd had a somewhat cryptic email from Senior Pastor Edda um, saying, um, I'm having to change the preaching rotor. So it wasn't until Thursday morning I actually established I wasn't preaching in Leith, and I was free to come here. So we've all been flying a little bit with um, the seat of our pants over this one, and uh, there's obviously not been a lot of time to, to find something fresh, uh, to seek the Lord f- for you. So what I tend to do on a situation like this, I, I tend to talk about what's currently uh, in my heart and what I'm thinking about. And uh, we've been thinking, we've had two songs now which have talked about the kingdom of God. And that theme is uh, in the Lord's Prayer. Oh yes, um, just one other thing. Uh, preacher's privilege, of course is you can always do a little plug for something. Uh, One of the organisations I've worked with for a number of years is is Pray for Scotland, and I've got something free for you this morning, so not every visitor uh, brings presents with him, but if you don't see our Pray for Scotland newsletter, I'll have some um, at the door at the end of the service. It's sent out free. Uh, We try to do four a year. We sometimes only make three a year, but we try and incorporate news of what God is doing in Scotland, uh, across the denominations. It's not a specifically Baptist thing, as we try and cover the whole whole nation and uh, give news of what God is doing and things to pray for. And you can get it sent you posted quite freely um, just by contacting the address, either by email or by post or by phone that's on the back of it. So you're very welcome to take one of those away with you. Um, Right. So in the Lord's Prayer... Jesus tells us to pray for God's kingdom to come and for God so that God's will is done on the earth as it is in heaven. The key announcement, which we've already had in Matthew's gospel, if you read the earlier chapters, the announcement of both John the Baptist and our Lord Jesus was that the kingdom has arrived. So we need to think about this one very seriously and try and understand what on earth um, Jesus is talking about. If Christianity is only a set of beliefs, if it's only a philosophy, if it's only a moral code, a code of ethics, then it has to compete at that level with every other philosophy, um, code of ethics, uh, belief system on the earth. But if the difference of our Christian faith is that it has a supernatural dimension, it has a spiritual experience at its root, then it's in a different category. It's in a totally different level. I think you'll agree with me if I say that heaven is where God is. God lives in eternity Heaven is not a future escape for us. It's a dimension of life. It's not a dimension of time. It's a dimension of life. It's where God lives. I think there is an amount of confusion in the Christian church about what we mean by eternal life. Do you remember that Jesus said in John 6, 47, whoever believes has eternal life. Life, And then Jesus himself defines eternal life in that final discourse with his disciples in John chapter 17. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, I don't hear many people preaching about that. And as a reason, I suspect that most of us have the mindset that eternal life is something we get into when we die. That is not the teaching of the New Testament or of the Lord Jesus. Eternal life is to know God. It's to be in touch, it's to live in touch with eternity in the here and now. We experience eternity today. The unseen world is real. Now, when I was growing up, I would have struggled with a statement like that, as many of you, because I suspect most of us are on roughly the same generation, very scientific world, mechanistic world, and the plea about everything was, prove it, prove it. I don't believe anything I can't see. And you had to resort to illustrations like, well, have you ever seen electricity? Does that stop you putting on a light switch or something like that. Today everybody believes in the unseen world. You probably haven't used a sat-nav this morning um, unless you're a visitor that was trying to find the church. Some of you will have used one in this last week, I'll bet. Many of you will have used a mobile phone this morning. How does the message get into it? Whether it's a text or whether it's a a spoken phone call, we all believe in the reality of the invisible world. The invisible world is around us all the time. We all trust in things we can't see. Just because they're invisible doesn't mean they don't exist. And I think we need to think about heaven and the spiritual realm in the same way as we think about the realm of cyberspace. It's just all around us. The issue is, do we plug into it? Are we connected with God? Are we connected with heavenly realities? It's not difficult to believe in a spiritual world, but we're in a danger that the, 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 the world system is actually ahead of much of the Christian church. We're suspicious of being too spiritual, while the world is following its belief in in crystal healing and goodness knows what else, um, to trust in, to try and find security and guidance. We're living in a very, very spiritual society. But somehow people are not looking to the church to connect with it. (laughs) We don't have to go into quantum physics or black hole astronomy to prove anything about things that are invisible. Although some of you, you, you know the quip, don't you, about the astronaut that went into uh, space and came back boasting that he hadn't seen God since he was up there, um, but a neurosurgeon countered him and saying, "Well." That's strange, he says, I've been operating inside people's brains for the last 40 years and I've never yet seen a thought. It's nonsense, remember that one, it's nonsense to say that we don't believe things we can't see. Even in the short passage of scripture I read, um, Jesus himself says the Father is unseen, but we pray to him. We've got this idea of unseen, Moses trusted in him who was uh, invisible um, in uh, Hebrews 11. Uh, First Peter writes um, to the Christians of his day, you have not seen him, but you love him. Let's think about science for a minute and lessons we can learn from science. Do you expect scientists to continue to make discoveries? are the things that are still need to be discovered. Because if not, actually it's all history. They're just recording what has been discovered. They're just writing about what has happened. But all a scientist does is discover something that has already been invented. Yeah? 200 years ago, nobody knew anything about x-rays. Did that mean x-rays didn't exist? No, of course not. About 150, maybe, I'm not a historian of science, maybe a little bit more than that, people began to suspect they existed. By 100 years ago, x-rays were in common use in the medical profession. It was just a case that mankind was discovering something that was already there. And most of us are extremely grateful that X rays have been invented, discovered, except when the dentist finds something wrong with one of our teeth that we didn't know was wrong. God is infinite. Now, that can be a very bland statement, but think about it God lives in eternity. God has no end. Now, that's got two implications. One is that if God is a creator, maybe he's still creating. Maybe that's the answer to what the scientists tell us about having an ever expanding universe. Just because the Bible says that God finished creating the earth in Genesis and he rested doesn't mean that he's not doing other works of creation not related to this immediate earth. But more than that, if God is infinite, there is no end to what we can discover about him. You are not going to be bored in heaven. We are not going to be singing, oh, that will be glory for me, 30 times every hour, forever and ever and ever. Because if God is infinite, there's always more that we can discover about him. And that's something to be excited about. That's something to look forward to. We're never going to be bored because God has always got more. Now, some years ago, I started um, a ministry called Kingdom Kids. What I felt God was telling me to do was to draw together children to teach them to pray for the nation. Um, And at our first... Children's Prayer Celebration. Now, we advertise these very carefully because when people think of children's work, they tend to think of gospel missions, and I wanted to make it quite clear that wasn't what I was doing. So with the various um, children's workers and youth leaders I was in touch with, I made it very clear that I only wanted them to bring children that knew they were Christians. And we advertised it as being for, I don't know whether it was 10 to 13-year-olds or 10 to 14-year-olds, My friend, uh, Jeff, um, was up from London on a mission. We did it in Leith, uh, when I was based then. And um, we had about a hundred kids turned up, and it was advertised as a prayer celebration. Um, Jeff spoke, and having spoken, he made the fatal mistake. Well, I don't know if it was a fatal mistake, but he said to the kids, Those of you that are bored with being a Christian, stand on your seats. And 100 children jumped onto the pews. I'm glad we didn't have health and safety 30 years ago, at least not as stringent as we did now. And the look on their teachers' and leaders' faces was one of absolute shock and horror. Now, I'm not sure that I would have done it, but it said something very worrying to me that children who genuinely had an experience of salvation had never gone on to discover more. They weren't growing in their Christian faith. Some of them, frankly, were bored because they were sitting through the same Gospel message um, every Sunday um, for the sake of the unconverted kids that were in their Sunday schools, but I don't want to get distracted onto children's ministry because I could speak about that for a couple of hours. But um, what the point I'm trying to make is if you are bored with being a Christian, you've stopped discovering God. And there is always more of God to be discovered because God is infinite. We trot out these words without thinking about the implication. So it leads us on to the question of how much of heaven, the spiritual world, how much of heaven can we expect now? Because Jesus throws down this amazing statement that we are to pray that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for the kingdom to come on the earth. So, what is it legitimate for us to expect and what do we is it legitimate for us to put into the afterlife? And I think it depends on us. I think it depends on how much we want. There's always more. Today I believe we can have more of God than we had yesterday. Because there is more of God to be discovered. Think about about heaven. There's no sin in heaven, there are no demons in heaven, there's no sickness in heaven. So we need to keep pressing in if we're expecting heaven to come to earth as Jesus taught us to pray. We need to keep pressing in to receive more. You see, there's a danger. I did wonder about talking about uh, suffering this morning but I I felt that um, I probably didn't know you well enough as a, a church to stick my neck out quite that far. But in a situation where you are praying, as you obviously are praying for somebody to be healed, what do we do when we don't see an answer to our prayers? Well, some of us can get very frustrated and we can blame ourselves and say, oh, God doesn't listen to my prayers. Some of us can construct a theology that saves the problem, say, well, yeah, Jesus healed in the New Testament, but he doesn't heal today. Some, I don't think here, but in some of the extreme faith circles, would say, huh, it's all Ross's fault. He hasn't got the faith to get healed. All negative reactions. But can we face up to it? And can we look for the positive and saying, okay, we haven't got through yet, but I believe God's got more. And so, Father, would you show me more about pressing into yourself? Would you show me more about living in your kingdom? Would you lead us into, as a group, as a church, lead us into more of your healing power? So that we're not looking at it from an aspect of defeat, but we're looking for it as an aspect of of expectancy, of positive, Lord, we want to grow, we want to learn. We haven't got it all together yet, but we are wanting you to teach us. And we're wanting to see a breakthrough in the realm of physical healing and, of course, everything else that we're involved with. So my word to you, and I think this is a word from the Lord, is don't give up in despair, but keep pressing in because God's got more. And Jesus wouldn't have told us to pray for God's will to be done on earth and for his kingdom to come on earth if it wasn't possible. But we're doing it by stages. We're doing it by stages. So let's not get discouraged we haven't got to the end yet but don't give up the pursuit. We need to discover what we've already got. So we pull it in and we live in it. Paul said, God seated us with Jesus, or with God, sorry, in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.6. Seated, past tense, we're already there. We are seated in the heavenly places with Jesus. Philippians 4, 19. God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The riches of God. Do we believe in a supernatural God? Because if we do... We should expect him to be doing supernatural things. And I think sometimes, going back to the creation narrative, we, we take too seriously the idea that God is resting. Now, I believe God did rest, but I want to know when he stopped resting. Because I don't think we're still in that seventh day. Jesus said, My Father is working. We must be working because my Father is working. God is working today, upholding the universe by the word of his power. He's not doing nothing. And as a friend of mine cheekily says, if God created heaven and earth, he must find it difficult not to do a few miracles occasionally. We're living in the eternal dimension we're living in the heavenly dimension. We're living in the spiritual world. That's why Paul tells the Colossians, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not of the things that are on earth. For you've died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Living, conscious of the invisible world. Paul also says something similar to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.18. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God, Jesus, has given us his Riches, And the problem with our strain of evangelical Christianity is that we've been taught that we get so much of it when we die. But we live as a son in his father's house. He's promised our to meet our needs, to supply all our needs. Many of Jesus' parables were referring to the future and the future life. But in Matthew 13, where Jesus talks about the man that finds a box of treasure in a field, or the merchant, the pearl merchant that finds a particularly valuable specimen, what 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 is the point of it? Jesus says the guy sells it not to store it up for the future, he stores it to get hold of it now. That's Christianity. And what's the treasure? Well, it's Jesus, isn't it? Everything is in Jesus. God has given us everything in Jesus. God God who gives us his son, will he not give with him, give us everything else that we need? We're to live as a son in his father's house. What is God like? Well, That's actually a question we all ought to be able to answer. If somebody says to you, "What is God like?" we ought, without even thinking about it, somebody's like Jesus, and many people have got some idea of what Jesus is like. And Jesus said, "He who has seen me has seen the Father." But it's it's more than that. Hebrews goes on to explain. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Now, you know that. But have you added that together with the fact that we are being made like him? We're being transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. When he appears, we shall be like him. I don't think St John in his first letter says that's going to, something that's suddenly going to happen when Jesus appears. It's what God is doing in our lives now. He's conforming us to the image of his Son. Predestination is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. So that we become fully human. God, We become what God intended us to be When he designed us in the first place. Let me give one example before I begin to wind down. Is it possible to live without fear? Is it possible to live without anxiety? I bet some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, yes, I wish I could. Well, isn't it a command in Philippians do not be anxious about anything? Would God's word tell us not to be anxious if it was impossible for us to be that? No, but Paul goes on in the next verse saying, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the command not to be anxious about anything is immediately followed by the promise that God from the supernatural world will guard us, protect us, protect our hearts and minds. That's what we're called to live in. We're called to live from a supernatural life source. It's the life of the kingdom of God. It's the life of heaven that Jesus shares with us. See, when I talk about the supernatural, I'm not specifically talking about the miraculous. That's just, if you like, something thrown in as an extra measure. It's the fact that we're living in contact with the heavenly world, the heavenly realm, all the time. And so when Paul describes the Christian life, he says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now many of you could have quoted that, but I wonder if you could finish the verse off. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by man. And that's something I've only really just noticed. Righteousness, peace, join the Holy Ghost. Yes, we know about that one. But we are pleasing to God and we're approved by man. It reminds me of Jesus. Remember how when Jesus was growing up, he lived in favor with God and man. And so if we live as God intends us to live, the result is not just that we please God, which we want to do, but actually we become incredibly attractive to people out in the world. Now, I know there will always be some people that will be offended by the gospel. I'm not minimising that. But I think we become incredibly attractive to those without God and without hope in this world. Because if we can radiate that in this world it's possible to live a life based on righteousness, peace and joy, we're tapping into things that mankind is looking for. But we have to live in it ourselves in order to demonstrate it to the world final verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's so much more we could say. But hope, that's the thing that is probably lacking more in society than anything else at the moment. I'm not going to bore you with Scottish suicide statistics, but you know they're absolutely awful. The world lacks hope. The younger generation, in particular, lack hope. And as we look about some of the international crises that are on our news even this morning. We realize the hopelessness. But that's not what we're called to live under. We're called in to live in God's kingdom, seated in Christ Jesus. Eternal life is being in contact with the living God now, today, and day by day. So, Father, we thank you for that incredible privilege that you've given us, of sharing your life with us, even that which we can't grasp or understand, the idea that somehow you invite us to share your throne, that we're seated with our Lord Jesus in heavenly places. Lord, we want to live up. We want to live up to that privilege. We want to live up, Lord, to that privilege. And inherit all that our Lord Jesus died to obtain for us. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to pray that heaven is established on earth and that we live on this earth as a colony of heaven, as citizens of your kingdom in the midst of this earthly realm. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being your people this day. Amen.